everybody. Um, welcome back. This is Gretchen Zellick from Donuts and Pie Fitness, and I am here with Annie Gibbons, also from Donuts and Pie Fitness. And we're here doing another interview. Just it fits our, our profile when we find people like Denise that we are really trying to get the point across and get people to understand how to age enthusiastically. And each person we interview, it just amazes me. There's always this common theme. Everybody that we interview is so happy, so passionate, so excited to be doing what they're doing. And so once again, we get to bring another expert into our um, profile here and you get to hear what she has to say. So go ahead, Gretchen. You can. So here we have. Um, I I am um, full, full disclosure, a, a um, an ageless grace educator, and I learned about this program at a functional aging uh, summit, and I was lucky enough to actually sit next to Denise, and I am so excited to talk to her today. She is the founder um, of Ageless Grace, and I'm just going to hand it right over to you, Denise. How are you today? <laughs> I'm great. I'm wonderful. And uh, I always love getting the opportunity to talk about Ageless Grace Brain Health and also about all the things that we can do uh, to not only age gracefully physically, but also mentally because they go hand in hand, needless to say. So what exactly is the Ageless Grace program? Can you tell us a little bit about it? First of all, it's built on the concept of neuroplasticity, which is the ability of the brain and the central nervous system to actually change its form and function. And the good news is, is that can be done at any age. Until maybe a decade ago, we thought that once you got your brain developed by the time you were uh, in your late teens or early 20s, that there was no way to change it. That was it, that's the brain you got. But now we know better that we can actually make a difference in our brain function and our brain health. I actually read an article in ARP magazine um, just today to my class about the fact that they had formed a coalition on brain health because it's the number one topic all around the world that people want to know about. They say, yes, I know how to make muscles. I know how to be strong. I know how to be flexible, but how do I keep my brain healthy? What do I do? And unfortunately on the internet, especially, uh, there is a lot of misinformation that's a little bit misleading about pills that you can take that are going to help your brain stay healthy and about, um, I don't know, pills and creams you can take and it'll make your skin and your eyes look healthy and about things that games and puzzles that you can play online and that's going to make your brain healthy and where this is misleading is that it does affect the brain they're not lying however it affects the brain only in certain ways or in certain functions of the brain. And I always like to compare the brain to teeth, that if I just brushed my front teeth for 20 years, then guess what? I wouldn't have good uh, health in my mouth. It would be a bad scene in there, although my front teeth might look really good. And that's exactly how the brain works. You need to cause the whole brain uh, to function, to respond, to react, to recover to things. And in Ageless Grace, in our program, we have divided it into five categories of the things that the brain does. One is strategic planning. And I mean strategic planning from a physical point of view because neuroscientists today have unequivocally discovered that the brain's primary purpose is to control movement of the body. So vice versa, when we move the body, it affects the brain as well. So 
strategic planning, I don't mean planning your retirement, although that's really great and smart too, and the brain can do that. I mean strategically planning. How am I going to get up off the floor and go to the door and answer it if the doorbell rings? How am I going to um, get from here to my car so that I can go grocery shopping? My brain is constantly strategically planning what move is next, how low do I have to be to the ground, how high do I have to be, which arm goes forward. The next function is memory and recall. And of course, right away when I say memory, people say, that's what I want, that's what I want, for memory. And that's only one function of the brain. And it doesn't happen in one place in the brain. It actually happens in several places in the brain. So once again, I'm talking about from a physical point of view, remembering physical experiences that you've had. And interestingly enough, almost every memory that we have is related to a physical experience. You know, where was I sitting when I talked to this person? Uh, What were they wearing when I shook their hand and they told me their name. It's amazing how memory is so tied into physical experience. And of course, there's also the physical experience of, you know, that I actually um, could run and I remember how that feels or I could uh, stretch my arms over my head and I remember how that feels. Then there's also recall and that's a little different from uh, memory but it's in the same category and that's recalling what I know about something even if I haven't had the experience myself physically so I don't know how to play the trombone I've never even held a trombone but if I imagine that I'm playing the trombone I have this idea that there's a slide there's a piece that goes to my mouth I don't even know if there are buttons or not but I've got a general idea of how to play the slide trombone so that's recall The next one is analytical thinking. And again, all this is related to movement and motion of the body. And analytical thinking is understanding all the parts or components of an activity or a movement. So a simple one might be baseball. I could throw the ball, I could pitch, I could run, I could bat the ball, I could cheer from the stands, I could slide in home, I could catch. There's so many things that are part of that activity that is called baseball. And that's my analytical thinking, understanding all those parts and components. The next one's creativity and imagination. And that is is not doing a beautiful painting or writing a poem, although that is something the brain can do. Again, I mean from a a point of view of physical movement. And that is what stimulates the brain. The brain's having a conversation with the body. So I mean doing something new or different with my body. Um, I knew I was very creative and all of us were when we were first born and when we were five and seven and nine, we were walking backwards and hopping on one leg and learning to throw a Frisbee and roller skating. And we were just constantly discovering new and creative ways of moving. Um, And part of that is related to imagination. And that's why we put it in one category, creativity and imagination, but they're actually different. Imagination is seeing an image in your mind, which again, we mostly do unconsciously in that if someone says to me, I'd like you to dribble this basketball, 
before I pick it up, if I've never done it before, I'm going to start to see a picture in my mind of me holding the basketball and kind of what does it look like to dribble the basketball. And if I, I was coaching you to do dribbling of a basketball, imaginary, no real ball, just coaching you to do it, you'd be imagining what the ball looked like. You might be imagining yourself going down the court, all that is stimulating that creativity and imagination function in the brain. And then the last one actually relates to these other four. It's called kinesthetic learning. And it means learning something through your body first and then letting your brain start to have a conversation with the body about that activity so that every time you repeat it or practice it, you start to get better and better and better at it. Or you start to do it a different way so that it can be um, done more easily. So we, we pretty much did that all of our lives until our late teens or early 20s. You know, I, I don't think any of us have taken a course on how to walk unless we took maybe something like chi walking or something mm -hmm. like that. But, but when we were, you know, one or two, we just watched our parents and our siblings and we said, I, I want to do that. You know, how do I do that? And we figured it out. Um, most of us didn't take a class or a course in riding a bicycle. You know, we went out and we tried it and we skinned our knees and we fell off and, and, but eventually we got good at it. So interestingly enough, the process of learning something new physically is stimulating neurons or brain cells and causing them to fire. And then the more we do that activity, we're starting to create neural pathways or what I like to call information highways between the brain and the parts of the body that are needed for that activity. So a lot of people say, well, why haven't we known this, you know, forever? Why didn't we know this forever? And the reason is because until about a decade ago, when they would look at people's brain function, it would look as if the brain wasn't changing. And the reason was is that almost every person at some age around 18 to 22 starts to do only what they're really good at doing and what they like to do. So if I am really good at tennis and I like it, then I become a tennis player and that's what I do. And I might do that five times a week and I get better and better at it because I keep practicing it and deepening those neural pathways but I'm not actually stimulating as many new neurons as when I first learned to play the game of tennis. And I was trying to figure out, oh my gosh, what's a forehand? What's a backhand? What's a lob? You know, how do I get my legs to work in conjunction with my hands? And so we were doing things that we really liked to do, that we were good at doing, and we weren't experimenting so much with doing things that made us feel awkward or look ridiculous or silly. Um, and that, ironically, are, is, is what makes us fire more neurons by taking a risk, playing, goofing around, trying something new, not being afraid to look silly. Um, so the, we can change our brains and it is very physical. So it obviously lends itself to the idea that maybe we could create a program, which is what I did with seven years of research that would address all those functions of the brain in every way and stimulate the brain and at the same time be physical so that we're also getting the physical benefits of it. Mm -hmm. Now so at some of the things I've watched you do and listened to you there well I think most of them are all in the chair 
And I was curious as to what that purpose was. Is it a different connection with the body and the brain or what, what is the purpose of having it in the chair? Well, the primary purpose and the primary reason is because I just mentioned a few things that we do in Ageless Grace, like pretending we're playing basketball, mm -hmm. pretending we're playing hopscotch, or pretending we're, uh, we're doing karate kicks or those types of things. If I ask you to do that standing, you've either done it before or you have a very good idea of how to do it. Mm -hmm. If I ask you to do it in a chair without standing up, this, immediately your brain is saying, what? I'm supposed to dribble oh. a basketball in a chair? How do I do that? So number one purpose is that it's different than what we usually do in a chair. Okay. We're conditioned to think of sitting down in a chair and relaxing or sitting down and having a meal or sitting down and working on our laptop or those types of things. We don't think of, can I sit down and really get my heart rate up and do some really unusual and creative activities that I've never done before and actually maybe start to perspire. We don't think of that because that's not been in our historic physical activities. So right. that's the primary purpose. But there are also four other purposes. One is that when you're seated, and if you've ever done yoga or Pilates, for example, you will know this, that being being seated works the core of the body. It really works this whole central core, the spine, the pelvis, the chest, and into the head because we, most of us, don't have the kind of balance and strength and stamina to be able to do all the things that we need to do to really get a full range of motion in the core unless we're seated. So you'll see Pilates and yoga classes on the reformer, on the mat, in the floor, because then we have core support. Mm -hmm. So the second primary reason is being seated supports the core and specifically the spinal cord and the entire 26 working parts of the spine, which is part of the central nervous system, the brain, the spinal cord, and all our nerves. Mm -hmm. Third reason is if you've ever sat down and like lifted your legs off the floor, reached down and touched the leg of the chair, those types of things, you'll know that immediately, not only are you engaging the core, but you're also moving the, the vital organs of your body. You're also moving the chakra system or energy systems of the body. You're actually sitting on your root chakra and then it travels up the spinal cord up to just above the top of the head. And so when you're moving, bending, reaching for the arms of the chair, reaching down for the legs, reaching back behind you, you're moving the energy systems and the vital organs. Another thing you're doing is you're stimulating all of the systems of the body. And what I mean by that is, all the systems, respiratory system, endocrine system, lymphatic system, circulatory system, begin and end and return to the core of the body in some way or another. They go out from and return to. So the heart pumps blood, for example, to the circulatory system. So when you're seated, once again, you're also stimulating all those systems of the body. So there are four great reasons and one primary reason to be seated in a chair. Mm -hmm. And then the last one is not really the reason, but it's an added benefit. Because we're seated and in a chair, anyone can do this program. Right. Uh, we have educators who are teaching people in wheelchairs or teaching people uh, on walkers or people who have challenging balance issues or children that are uh, 
limited in their range of movement and their balance because they have certain special needs or adults. So it evens the playing field that almost anyone can do this because it is seated, but that's not the main reason. Well, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> I mean, I really didn't understand it before and I thought, oh, sitting, you know, that makes me feel like I could do more, but it's not always about doing more. It's about connecting. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. right. Yeah. You will get the physical benefits from it, and most people are surprised when they yeah, do Jen, it. Um, Gretchen had told me when she did it, she couldn't believe how tired physically. Um, yeah. it, it's it really. I I just do ten minutes a day, but when I did the class to be become an educator. I was exhausted. Really? Doing all 21 tools, two days in a row. It, it is amazing how your brain and your body are just, they're just fatigued after doing that kind yep. of work. See, yep. even, even after one tool, sometimes if we do it for four or five minutes, I'll feel like my brain is like really tired. And I think, oh, now we're going to do another one. Because uh, you can actually feel that tired brain sensation from firing so many neurons in a short amount of time. And it's not something that most of us have done recently right. and it's right. under a lot of neurons. So it's kind of like, whoa, I, I think I feel it. Um, so it, it is more challenging than, than you would believe. Yeah. Yeah. Now, um, I know we're going to do the, we're going to try some of these, but if you were going to give someone advice about um, aging enthusiastically, I mean, you're just that you just are that you, you just, when you talk, you just get it more enthusiastic. It's your passion, your knowledge, and you're helping people. But what would you give a person for advice as to how to incorporate the enthusiasm into their aging process? Sure. What, there's, there's a whole layer of things that are now being um, touted by neuroscientists as ways to stay both youthful and optimistic and upbeat and age gracefully, and also to get it back again if you feel as if you lost it. This article that I read in ARP about the brain uh, uh, coalition that they formed said, you know, most people just tend to have that defeatist attitude like, well, it's inevitable that I'm going to get some kind of cognitive decline because I'm, I'm older and that's just what happens. And people have the same attitude about their physical capabilities. The reality is that the more you move your body, the less pain, discomfort, dis-ease you will have. Now, obviously, if you're thinking boot camp, that would be pretty challenging and you might actually hurt yourself. But if you're thinking, gee, the more I move my shoulders, the more I move my fingers, the more I bend down and lift back up and use my spine, you're going to see that in one or two days of doing that for just a short amount of time, you're going to feel better. You know, people always look at me and say, you're lucky. You have good genes, good DNA, and that's why you're aging so youthfully. Well, it's actually not true. My mother died of Alzheimer's. My mother and grandmother and my great-grandmother all had both osteo and rheumatoid arthritis. My uh, other grandmother had pretty serious heart disease. I can go through the list of all the things that happened to my family and they aren't happening to me because of the way that I have done everything in my power to stay physically active. I was born with a, what is a mild form of, of spina bifida. Mm -hmm. And I still, I have the gap in my spine and everything, but it was a mild form, however painful. And so at a very early age, I was told I would probably be in a wheelchair by the time I was 40. So I'm telling this story to give hope to people who think, oh, it's too late for me. 
And I said, wow, I do not want to be in a wheelchair when I'm 40. And now I'm going to be 68 my next birthday. Yay. And yeah, and I'm not in a wheelchair. And, um, and the reason is I have just been dedicated to moving and I have experimented, you know, I'm not perfect by any means. There have been weeks where I've said, Oh, I'm just going to take some time off. And every time I've done that, I've discovered that I start to hurt again mm -hmm. and then I start to move and I'm not hurting. So I would really say to people, don't limit your thinking about, gee, I have arthritis or gee, I have this or gee, I have that and I shouldn't do it. This program, for example, has no impact, no bouncing, no jumping. And there are a lot of programs that have no bouncing or jumping. Put yourself out there and give yourself five classes to see if it makes you feel better to do it. It's what do you have to lose? What you have to lose is your physical function, your range of motion, your joy in life. And obviously these are all related. So when I feel better physically, then I feel better mentally. Right. And when I feel better physically and mentally, I have more joy and pleasure and enjoyment in life. And so it's sort of like a, a wonderful cycle of, gee, if I do this one thing for myself, I can shift so many things that would make my life have a better quality. One of those things, by the way, it's been written about over and over is socialization, being with other people. And another thing is music. So this class or other classes where you can go and be with a group of people, move to the music, will make you feel better mentally, emotionally, physically, and it will nourish your spirit. So that's what I say to people. Don't, don't get caught in that thinking of, gee, it's too late. It's right. not too late. I have people who started taking Ageless Grace when they were 101 years old. She's now 104, the one I'm specifically talking of. And she says all the time, this class makes me feel so good. <laughs> so don't limit your thinking. Right. I love that. And um, what we're going to do, we will provide a link to your uh, TEDx talk and to the website so people can find um, an educator so they can experience the class and and they're all over the country now I think they're in every state we're in 50 states and 29 other countries good for you Did, oh man that's such a so the end of August from the fifth uh, annual Australasia Ageless Grace Retreat uh, which is Australia and Asia and we had a magnificent retreat there with lots of of educators and trainers. It was just very uplifting. Um, and we're getting ready to have our ninth annual Ageless Grace Retreat in the United States in July. Wow. Uh, and anyone can come to those retreats, by the way. You don't have to be an educator or a trainer or even a student. You can just come and learn about all kinds of things, including Ageless Grace, that would, would feed your quality of life. Oh, that's fabulous. So what I want to do now is can we try one of the, the tools and Absolutely. Okay, I'd just like to say to whoever's watching that normally we have music uh, to this, but I'm not going to try to do the music because of sound quality and so that you can okay. hear my voice. But this will give you an idea that this is what we do in the classes. There are 21 different tools and I'm going to show you uh, two or three of them and um, uh, just let you kind of play along. So if you're watching, get yourself in a chair and try it with me. Let's, let's do it. I'm going to stand up. Okay, at 67 years old, sitting in the floor doing this interview so that I can get up and sit in the chair. You ready, Annie? I'm ready. 
Ready? Okay. So there are three things I always say to people that are kind of guidelines for doing this because most people aren't used to exercising in a chair. One is to sit forward enough in the chair so that your feet are flat on the floor. And that's especially important if we're not lifting any feet and we're doing our arms and upper body, or if we're lifting one foot at a time, it gives you that support. The second thing is if we're going to lift both feet off the floor, just slide back a little bit and then you can hold on to the chair or whatever and move your feet both at the same time. By the way, Amy, that's another benefit of being in a chair. <laughs> you, can you can lift both feet. Both feet. Got it. At the same time. And the third one is if you're going to put your head forward and down, put one foot forward flat on the floor, not just your tippy toes, but flat on the floor, so that that whole thigh is supporting you when you lean forward and down, because your head's very heavy. Uh, and so we want to stop that forward motion so that we don't fall out of the chair. So the first one that I'm gonna do is called spelling bee. Really simple, anyone can do this at home, anytime. And, um, and we're gonna spell the word donut. <laughs> oh, yay! D-O-N-U-T is how we're gonna spell it. That can be many spellings, but that's how we're gonna spell it. And we're gonna do it in capital block letters. So start with both hands and draw a big D, a big D, and draw it four or five times and make it as large as you can. Now, I gotta, I gotta show you what I'm dealing with, look. <laughs> I'm trying to do that with him in my lap. Okay. And then we're going to make an O with one foot. The O is with one foot in the air, Walter. <laughs> and you're going to draw it several times. And just so that we're even on both sides, we're going to make the O with the other foot as well in the air. Come on, Walter. <laughs> now, my favorite body part is the belly button. So we're going to draw an N with your belly button. And again, you're going to do it four or five times. And just notice all the parts of your body that you're moving. He's excited because you're, you're or is it he or she? I've got both. I've oh. got two. See, there's See, you're here. So they get it right away that the whole basis of this program is what we did when we were children. And what we're doing again now is we're playing with the idea of this. Now, with your nose, draw a U. Make the letter U and we're spelling donut. And write it four or five times, and then draw it backwards, meaning start from the other side and come back across in the opposite direction. Now with both hands over your head, let's make a huge T, a big T. And just experiment with the idea of drawing the top of the T from left to right and also from right to left. So needless to say, we could spell donut in cursive, lowercase. We could spell it in Hebrew. We could spell it in Japanese. So donut or any word that you wanna spell can be done with your body. And we do this to music. We stay in the beat with the music. Most songs are four minutes long, approximately uh, three to four minutes long. So we do that for three to four minutes and then we stop when the music stops, when the song ends, because we switch right away to another exercise or another tool. So since I talked about a few sports, the next one we're gonna do is called uh, Team Fit. And it's just all kinds of sports. So sit forward in your chair and we're gonna dribble the basketball. 
and you're going to yeah, start right. one side and you're going to go around as far as you can go to the other side and back again all around your chair dribbling as much as you can and then you're going to imagine that you are superb at dribbling the basketball and you're going to dribble it under one leg and under the other leg <laughs> see this is a workout annie <laughs> right it's a workout yeah so you're going to shoot some hoops swish whoosh you can work on all your different shots maybe you do it with one hand maybe you do it from your chest maybe you do it overhead there's so many ways to throw it in the basket and then we're going to switch from basketball to roller skating so get your roller skates going and use your arms to help with the momentum and the forward motion and then we're going to switch from roller skating to riding a bicycle. They know. Come on, come on. Get out. Get out. Out. Goodbye. Imagine we're back. We're bicycle. We're doing our bicycle. They know you're playing. They do. They want to play. Let's throw a ball. It can be anything: a baseball, a softball throw it. You might even want to wind up and use your leg and throw. And of course, we're always ambidextrous when we imagine that we're playing a sport. So let's try it on the other side too. So literally, the tool that's called Team Fit, which helps us with upper body strength and with, um, with muscle mass and coordination, just like regular sports, can be any sport that you think of. And the idea of spelling bee, the is idea of team fit, and we're going to do one more after this, is that we always do them differently because we're stimulating the brain. And we only do them the length of one song because the, we're switching. We're saying we're playing sports. Nope, we're not anymore. Now we're spelling the word. Nope, we're not anymore. Uh, we're doing something called get up, get down. No, we're not anymore. Now we're doing something called general geometry. And that's the one I'm going to show you next. And it is... The, the spelling bee literally stimulates all five of those brain functions that I talked about earlier simultaneously. Most of the tools do them sequentially, like you'll start with something and then another part of the brain will fire and another part of the brain will get engaged, another function will be engaged. But when you're spelling like that, you're actually using strategic planning, memory and recall, analytical thinking, um, you're using creativity and imagination, and you're using kinesthetic learning all at the same time. So this next one's called gentle geometry. And we're gonna start off by drawing a circle with one foot. And then you're gonna add on to that, drawing a triangle with the opposite hand. So the point of this is that you won't be able to do it, but you don't stop trying. You keep trying, can I get this triangle with my hand and this circle with my foot? And it's very funny because if you start to look at what you're doing, you'll see like, whoops, that's not a triangle. Whoops, my, my circle almost looks like a line. But keep trying to draw a triangle with one hand and a circle with the opposite foot. And if you've sort of got this kind of, then draw a horizontal line with the other hand because the point is not to get it. It's doing something that you absolutely don't know how to do and your brain and your body is working together trying to figure out how do I draw a circle with my foot and a triangle with my opposite hand and a line 
<laughs> so there's a lot of laughing goes on in it is. and then we switch and we do it the exact same thing on the other side so now the opposite leg is making a circle the opposite hand is doing its best to make a triangle and the other hand is doing its best <laughs> to make wow. a Denise, when, Denise, when you do play music, you play different songs. So yes. this could ha always play a different song. Absolutely. The music changes all the time. Uh, the, the, the shapes change, you know. So what we just did, I mean, if I did it again right now, I might make a triangle with my elbow and a circle with my knee. And, and the point is to not be able to do it. Right. So that you're focused and concentrating, just like a little kid when you learn to tie your shoe, you are so focused on how do I do that? That's what you want to do when you're doing general geometry. How do I draw a line, a circle, a triangle, two circles and a triangle? How do I do that? So the point of these, again, is to do something new to you and to play with it. Uh, that is really the word that I would use for what we do because that's what we did when we were kids and that's how we developed our brains in the first place. And we called it playing, but what we were really doing was discovering how to do things with our body that caused our brain uh, to fire neurons. And that is true, the, the neurons that fire together wire together. And that means that then we begin to be good at walking or good at jumping rope or good at pretty at having our balance while we're on one leg or the other, uh, or good at uh, riding our bicycle. It takes practice. But the, the best part of that practice was not really knowing how to do it and figuring it out with the brain. So that's right. what we did. So the music is different. The moves are different. We don't have any specific order of the tools. Uh, you can do tool 17 and then tool one and then tool 21, it doesn't matter. That changes also in a class that we're constantly mixing it up. What order will we do it in? We have a three DVD set, a playbook, we call it a playbook, uh, and flashcards. And so sometimes I take my flashcards to my classes and I just say to someone, draw a card because that's the first one we're gonna do. And they draw Here's a card. Yeah. Right here. Right, I'll pick one out and you just do it and just hit, you know, play on your, on your phone and you don't know what the song's going to be. And you just, and so it's, it's really fun. This has been great. I'm telling you, Denise, this was a blast. So I'm thankful so, so much for speaking with us. And as I said before, we'll link everything at the bottom of this video so people can find you and, and they can um, experience this fabulous class. Excellent. That's, that's one of the things that makes this different is that most people actually in their minds think I'm, I have to exercise. I can't wait for exercise to be over or I'm going to my class. They don't, they aren't, they don't love it. They do it because it's good for them. But when people start doing something like this, where you're laughing and having a good time and, and kidding around, all of a sudden it's like, I really want to do this. Uh, right. Part of the idea of this program is, uh, fortunately, it's based on play. So part of the idea is that it will, it is fun. It's a good time. Right. It's something that you can easily do. And you said you do it 10 minutes a day. That's what we say. If you do it 10 minutes a day, you can make a difference. You can change your brain. And of course, if you're lucky enough to have a class nearby and go to class, that's an added benefit.
Great. Well, thank you very much. This has been really informative. Um, I know Gretchen understood it much more than I did, and I really feel like I get it now. I, it really makes sense to me. So great job on explaining it. You know, I think people watching this will definitely be more um, in tune with what's going on, brain and, and body and play and all of that, the neuroplasticities. So thank you so much. Right. Thanks, Denise. Maybe, maybe Gretchen will start doing it with you in the morning, Sandy. <laughs> well, except for she's on the West Coast and I'm on the East Coast. Oh, I guess, well, Skype. we actually have a, a trainer in, in um, Maryland who Skypes with her mother in North Carolina every morning at 7.15. Okay, they, Annie, we're, we're getting a schedule there. Bye-bye. Right. <laughs> well, All right, thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. This episode was brought to you by Gretchen Zellick and Annie Gibbons. If you'd like to find out more, make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Donuts and Pie Fitness and on our YouTube channel, where you can find more interviews like the one you just heard. Both of those links are available in the description. Don't forget to check out our website at DonutsandPieFitness.com. You can find out more about Denise Medved at AgelessGrace.com or on Twitter at AgelessGraceLLC, which are linked below.